So last week we talked about if the Lord wills. Today we talk about God's sovereign will. The definition is written, ultimate source of all power and authority, ruling over his creation. So whether we are young or whether we are old or somewhere in between, you and I can trust God's sovereign will because it is certain, detailed, hidden, supreme, and perfect. And there's no better scripture verse to begin with to help us to understand these truths than Psalm 139 and verse 16, where the Bible says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I don't believe the psalmist was speaking in hyperbole. I believe he was wanting us to know that God's in control and God is sovereign. Even when you and I have prayed for something so deliberately and so passionately, and then either it is delayed or maybe it's not part of God's plan and it never happens, you and I can trust God. I've been asked over the years, Joel, why are you pro-life? Well, Psalm 139.16 is part of that treatise which says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. God knew me in my mother's womb. God knew you in your mother's womb. And you and I can trust that his eyes saw us. But there are two things that I want us to understand from verse 16 to begin our time together. Number one, God knows me in the womb before I am born. And then secondly, all the days of my life are planned and permitted in God's perfect will. Okay, pastor, are we going to talk about Calvinism today? No. We're just going to talk about the Bible because God's sovereignty and human responsibility are asserted side by side in Scripture. So when a man of God comes to a text that talks about election, you preach election. A few pages later, it's talking about human responsibility. You preach about human responsibility. They are not antithetical to one another. They complement one another. Our spiritual maturity will allow us to accept both of these truths. Because there is God's sovereign will for Joel and for you. But there's also that aspect where I get to make choices and I make decisions. Hopefully through prayer and fasting, and I make the right choices and decisions, but what about when I don't? Can God take my mess and turn it into something beautiful? Absolutely. Just turn around and look at people around you right now. He's done that for us all. Moments and times where we made the bad choice in a relationship, we made a bad decision, we didn't do what we were supposed to, and still God loved us enough to grant us grace to bring it in accordance to His will. So let me give you just a few things to think about. Number one, God's sovereign will is certain. It will be fulfilled. And you and I can brace against that, we can try to campaign against that, but But God's sovereign will is certain. Proverbs 16 and 9, you've heard me speak this recently. The heart of man plans his way. And I can do a lot of planning. As a pastor, part of my responsibility is to cast vision with our staff. Then to bring that before the body. And this is the direction that we're supposed to go. The heart of man plans his way. But the Lord establishes his steps. That if you and I are willing to listen to the voice of God, even though we've made our plan... We are willing to adjust and adapt and improvise our plan to God's will. 
to God's plan. I know that ultimately that's what all of us want. That's what all of us desire. We want to be in the center of God's will. And yet so many times we find ourselves outside of God's will. It goes on in Proverbs 19 and 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So even after we've gone through our mess, even after we've gone through trial and struggle and tribulation, the purpose of God will stand. I read the back of the book. God wins. Amen? And because of that, we know that ultimately his will will come to pass. But what about from an understanding of God's sovereign will is certain, God's sovereign will is detailed. A lot of us don't do well with details. We have to hire an assistant to take care of our details because we're basically casting vision from 30,000 feet. But God in the heavens and Jesus, his son at the right hand, they're all about the details. They're about the details of my life. They're also about the details of yours. Matthew 10 gives us an indication here. Verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. That's pretty detailed. That's sort of knowing us better than we know ourselves. And God does. And yet he still loves us. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So there are times that we ignore the details of our life, but God doesn't. Because it's through the combination of a lot of those details that you get to where you're going. To be successful, to have a great marriage, to raise good kids. All of these include details. God is in the details. Thirdly, God's sovereign will sometimes is hidden. Now, I was studying last week, and this is the one that I have probably the most problem with. I like knowing things. I, I can Google anything now, find out the answer. Uh, even obscure questions that maybe Zeke comes home and asks me, and I, all I have to do is Google it, and I can tell him, and he thinks Dad is smart, okay? But yet sometimes you and I will pray about something, and the answers are hidden, which requires a great walk of faith. You know, you have somebody that tells you that they love you, and you go, well, how do I know that? Well, sometimes you say, well, I just know. Well, is it hidden or is it revealed? Do they express themselves in a way that lets you know that you are loved by that individual? But sometimes God's sovereign will is hidden. Our lives require great faith in those hidden things that sometimes we just don't understand. Yesterday, I was in New Hope, Alabama at the New Hope Funeral Home officiating at a memorial service for a 91-year-old man. I understand when 91-year-olds pass away. But this time last week, I didn't understand why an 11-year-old that's part of our community died. That will of God is hidden right now. For that family, for all of that little boy's friends, for all of us that's still scratching our head, not understanding. And sometimes God's sovereign will is hidden. The Bible calls it something secret. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us, and sometimes God reveals his plan to us. It doesn't require as great a walk of faith. We can do it by sight, if you will, and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. 
Why God chooses sometimes to conceal something or keep it hidden, I don't know. I don't know why. But I'm still going to trust him. There were things that I asked my mom and dad when I was a child that they would tell me, it's not age appropriate yet. You won't understand. Maybe that's the way our Heavenly Father looks at us sometimes. We're just not ready for the truth. We're not ready for that which is maybe hidden at age 30 that's revealed at age 40. I don't know. But what I do know is that God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what we can handle, and He also knows what will stretch us. Proverbs 25 and 2, it's the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search things out. I love to search things out. If I'm traveling to a revival or traveling even yesterday over to New Hope, I put that address in my GPS so that I would know from point A to point B and how to get there. But sometimes the will of God is not as easy as putting an address in on your GPS. And sometimes he carries you to places that will help you grow and thrive and even sometimes struggle. Because sometimes it's through tension that you and I grow. God's sovereign will is also supreme. What does that mean, Joel? Well, without violating our human responsibility or making God the author of sin, God's sovereign will is supreme. Over the years, I've received her books as gifts. I've also purchased some myself, a, a lady by the name of Joni Erickson Tata. When she was 17 years of age, a diving accident paralyzed her from the neck down. And from her wheelchair, she has written some incredible books about the sovereignty and the will of God. Now, what happened to Joni Erickson Tata was not good, but she writes and says, God has brought much good from it. Sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish that which he loves. And yet, God is without sin. Evil is never good. Yet, God can use any evil to accomplish good and his ultimate sovereign purposes. I hope this helps you because I know that I stand here Sunday after Sunday. Your Sunday school teacher stands in front of you and they, they teach about the sovereignty of God. They teach about the will of God. They teach about these things. And sometimes it just doesn't make sense. This can't be God's will. This can't be God's plan. But yet sometimes it is. Because God's sovereign will is also perfect. You and I are imperfect, but God is perfect. In fact, he makes no mistakes. And so I'm studying last week, and I remembered this poem from years ago. It was written in 1932 by a pastor in Mississippi named Pastor Overton. He put pen to paper, and he wrote, My father's way may twist and turn. My heart may throb and ache, but in my soul I'm glad I know that he maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray, my hopes may fade away, but still I'll trust my Lord to lead, for he doth know the way. Though night be dark and it may seem that day will never break, I'll pin my faith, my all in him, he maketh no mistake. There's so much now that I cannot see, my eyesight's far too dim, but come what may, I'll simply trust, I'll leave it all to him. For by and by the mist will lift, and plain it all he'll make. Through all the way, though dark to me, he made not one mistake. So we look at the world at large today, and we see that there's a lot of mistakes made, but God didn't make them. You and I, from the Garden of Eden following, 
have been making mistakes on the hour, on the minute, on the second ever since. So therefore, we are in dire need of God's grace. That's why he sent Jesus to the cross and he laid down his life and on the third day he rose from the grave so that we can acknowledge and understand that he doesn't make any mistakes. But what about us in 2022? What about us now coming out of the the COVID pandemic? We must form our perspective from God's Word, not popular culture. Because we live in an era when pop culture, despite its shallowness, has a far-reaching influence on a person's worldview. And I'm looking at these students down here in the front. Most of us older than they are, but they're, they're now, they're, their minds and their hearts are still being shaped. It has a far-reaching influence on a person's worldview, Christian and non-Christian alike. This entertainment-driven blend of pop psychology, pop philosophy, and pop theology has become its own worldview. It's almost as if we come to church to be entertained rather than be discipled. We get upset if they don't sing my song or the way that I want them to sing that song. We want to be entertained. Rather than being led down a path of discipleship that helps us to grow up. That where the Bible says that when I was a child, I thought as a child, I acted like a child, I spoke like a child. But when I grew up and became a man, I put away the childish things. And yet so many of us have never put away the childish things. Even though I'm in my 50s now, I still enjoy having fun. I still love playing with my children. I I still love doing those kind of things. But but when it comes to, to monumental decisions about my life, I'm no longer a child. Because the decisions that I make now don't just affect me. They affect my wife. They affect my kids. They affect my church. And yet some of us have not understood that yet. And in the midst of that, there is the will of God. Randy Alcorn, in his book, If God is Good, wrote, In our history, never have people needed to hear the biblical worldview more, and perhaps never have they been more culturally conditioned to dismiss it. I don't need that old dusty book called the Bible. That's so old-fashioned. We don't need that anymore. In fact, they dabble a little bit in Jesus, dabble a little bit in Buddha, dabble a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And they wind up having this worldview that is nothing but Christian, has nothing to do with Christianity, nothing to do with the cross, but everything to do with feeling good. And yet sometimes in the sovereign will of God, we walk through valleys of shadows. We walk through places with landmines and have to learn how to navigate those. Now, if you were here last week, I I shared this verse, and I've shared it many times before, but I think it was worth repeating today. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. But let me tell you, cancer is not good. Going bankrupt is not good. A divorce is not good. But, and we know that for those who love God, all things will work together for good. Because there are things that happen in my family and things that happen in your family that aren't good. I can use a lot of other adjectives and adverbs for it. But yet, for those of us, for those who are called according to his purpose, for those who love God, all things will work together for good. But our generation may not see it. We may go on to heaven and experience Jesus face to face, but it'll be one of our kids or our grandkids that finally see the good that came from something that in the immediate was called evil. 
God's glory is not always immediate, but it is certain. And you and I can trust that no matter what the diagnosis is. No matter what the condition of our marriage and raising our kids in our bank account. God's glory is certain, but not always immediate. So let me give you a little biblical primer here of God's sovereignty from individuals. And I think there's the sovereignty of God over one individual life, but also even kingdoms, countries, nations, commonwealths. Why? Because God is all-knowing, He's all-powerful, and He's omnipresent. The psalmist once again paints a picture for us in Psalm 115, verse 3. Our God is in the heavens, and He does all that He pleases. And mind you, please know that I watch the news just like some of you do, and I feel like maybe I could help God out and help Him with this situation. Lord, if you would just do it my way, life would be so much more wonderful. Lord, if you would just you know, elect the person that I want elected, Lord, life would be so much better. A person's decision constitutes a real cause, produces genuine effects, and brings accountability. So yes, I'm all about the sovereignty of God, but we have to live with human responsibility day by day. Choices that I make, decisions that I make, that again, as an adult, they don't just affect me, they affect everyone that I love. There's no reason to question the authority and sovereignty of God just because we don't understand what's happening, what did happen, or what didn't happen because. I look back over all these years serving in ministry now, and there were just some head-scratching moments that I didn't understand what God was up to. And there are still some things that have a loose end to it. All these many years later that I know ultimately God's going to get glory, but for how it happened, I just can't see it because maybe I lack vision or even I lack faith. But there's a passage of Scripture that helps me. It's in Romans chapter 9 and verse 21. And, and Paul, in writing this letter to the Christians at Rome, he he sort of shapes us a picture of a potter and clay. So has the potter no right over the clay? So, so you and I sometimes wrongly assume that we're the potter, and the clay is what we want to do, but it's not that way. The potter is God, and we're the clay. We're the one that is shaping and molding and making into something in His image. So has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? Because I've seen people who love Jesus make bad choices and bad decisions and they were dishonored. And then I've seen individuals who come from the lowliest of circumstances achieve great honor. So the honorable and the dishonorable are used for God's purpose in His sovereignty. But it's not only about individuals. It's also about countries and kingdoms. Because I believe there is scriptural evidence that God is ruler over the nations. Regardless who the president is, regardless who the prime minister is, regardless who the dictator is, God is still ruler over the nations. The scriptures bear this out. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 23, Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness? Proverbs 8, By me kings reign and rulers decree justice. Proverbs 21, the king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Every man's way is right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the hearts. So, pastor, are you telling me that if God is in control, but he still gives us as his 
chosen people an opportunity to make and have a voice? I said, absolutely. That in God's sovereignty, an election happens in a democratic republic and an individual is elected to the highest office of the land or the highest office in the state or the highest office in your city. And then we live with the consequences of those decisions. Some good and some not so good. But it's all under the sovereignty of God because the king's heart is a channel of water in the hand of the Lord. And when I see passages of Scripture that says the Lord weighs the heart, see, all of us think we're right about everything. The way we vote, the way we raise our family, the way we deal with our money, all of us feel as if, but it is the Lord who weighs the hearts. There was a man named Daniel, and many of you are familiar with him in the lion's den as well as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But maybe what some of us have forgotten about Daniel, he was one of thousands of Jews who were taken out of their homeland after King Nebuchadnezzar came in and defeated the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel and Judah and took them into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. This was Daniel's response to that. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign all all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Now, let me just hit the pause button. At this moment, Nebuchadnezzar was king over Israel. God was the one that allowed that to happen. He used a pagan Gentile to come and bring judgment upon Israel, just like he allowed the Assyrians in 722 B.C. under King Sargon II to come and defeat the northern kingdom. God will use anyone at any time to make sure that his will is done. In this case, it was bringing judgment upon Israel. And then it says, and he sets over them the lowliest of people. So it doesn't matter if the world's rulers know this or not. It doesn't matter if President Biden knows it or not, or Putin over in Russia or Netanyahu over in Israel, or anyone for that matter, the fact is that in God's hand is power and might, and none is able to withstand him. So when it comes right down to it, President Joe Biden cannot withstand the Lord. Putin, who is leading this attack against the Ukrainian people, he cannot withstand the Lord. But in God's providence right now, in God's sovereignty, these things have been allowed to happen. But God will ultimately receive glory. You and I need to understand that. And listen, there's a lot of things happening on the world stage right now that I don't understand. A lot of us try to create an overlay of God's Word and try to make everything fit in like a nice piece in the puzzle. But sometimes it just doesn't make sense. But to God, it always makes sense. Mankind might think he's in charge. But even Jesus told Pilate in John 19 and 11, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. So any leader that's in a position of authority today, it all comes from God. Pilate thought he was in control, but it was God who was sovereign even over Pilate's decision and his position of power. It was not of human origin, but by the will of God. I'm often asked, what do you think about where we are today. Do you think God will bring judgment on America? I think we're already under judgment. I think Pandora's box has been opened. It was opened uh, uh, several years ago, and now we're seeing a lot of things happen on a prophetic stage that maybe we play a part. 
and the judgment of God upon the pestilence where it talks about in Matthew chapter 24. The uh, COVID-19 may have been a part of that. Uh, then we see the, the earthquakes and we see the wars and the rumors of wars and everything else that we see mentioned in Scripture. It's headline news today. And you and I are living, breathing a part of it. And yet, some of us have still denied Jesus. We still turned our back on the gospel. Why, I do not know. So in these last few minutes with us today, I want you to go to Romans chapter 1 with me. And I just want to give you some exegesis here of verses 8 through 15. Paul is writing to the Christians at Rome. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. He was bragging on them a little bit. He was trying to encourage them that the gospel of Christ is being shared to every tribe and every tongue, Jew and Gentile alike. This is the purpose of God. This is why we exist as a church for the last 202 years at First Baptist Church Athens, so that the gospel will be shared to every tribe and every tongue, not just in our city, but in the cities around us and the states around us and the nations around us and the whole world from Athens, Alabama. Verses 9 and 10, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will... I may now at last succeed in coming to you. This is where I make the connection, God's will, God's sovereignty. He said, I've been wanting to come to Rome for the longest, and I'm believing that it is God's will. But one of these days, I'll finally get there to you. See, some of us have believed in the past that God's delays are God's denials. But that's not always the case. Sometimes he's just saying, you're not ready for this answer yet. You're not spiritually mature enough to handle this place where I'm needing to carry you. So right now, I need you to wait. I need you to grow. I need you to go deeper in the Word. I need you to prepare. Because one of these days, it'll no longer be a denial. It'll no longer be a delay. It'll be God's plan. And will we be ready for it? What does that mean to us? It means that the prayers to God, through prayer, Paul submitted himself and his plans to the will of God. What kind of great plans do you have? Even all these years, Joe and I will be married 30 years in December, and we've still, we still got some plans. There's still some things that we would like to do. There's some, some dreams. There, there, there's some passions that, that we have about certain things that we want to do. Are you willing to submit all of those plans to the will of God? I hope so. Because if you don't, friend, you're going to find yourself just wandering around accomplishing little. But why not use the time that God still has for you to do something impactful for the kingdom? Verse 11 and 12. For I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. He says, I have something to give. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. God honors the desires of our hearts. And that was Paul's desire. I want to make a difference in you. See, some of us have the problem of the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. We think the world revolves around us, but it doesn't. Because we have to come to some conclusions that maybe God saved me to serve others. So there is a plan to minister to others, which leads us to verse 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. There have been things that I've wanted to do my whole life, but for whatever reason, it just hadn't been a part of God's plan. Paul is explaining that to the Christians at Rome. In order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. What do you do in the face of prevention? 
I mean, when you got this, this compulsion inside of you, I got to go do this, or I got to do that, but you're prevented from doing that. When providentially hindered, Paul assumed the delay was God's will. So I come back to that phrase God's delays are not God's denials. So maybe he's just held you back for a little bit because some other things need to get in position or in place so that his will can happen for you. And then lastly, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. The reason that we exist as a church is to present the gospel. This should be our passion at all times by all means. Every one of us come in contact with people every day. Some of them are total strangers. Some of them are friends. Some of them are family. Do you know if they're saved or not? Do you know if they've ever been uh, repentant of their sin, believed in the gospel? Do, do you know? You say, well, well Joe, I don't know those. Well, ask them. Have that boldness about you that in the conversation that we're talking about ball games and we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, being successful in our business and all, this, and all those things are wonderful, but... The most important words that should come from our lips is whether or not our family, our circle of friends, and even the alien and stranger, to tell them, ask them, do they know Jesus Christ? So what have we talked about the last 25 minutes? Number one, God's guidance is available. You've got some decisions out there. Some of them are three weeks away. Some of them are three months, maybe some three years. God's guidance is available. So, so don't run out in front of him and he have to bless your mess. Go ahead and talk to him about it. And if you don't get a clear green light, maybe it's time to pause and say, okay, Lord, is there a better way? Is there something else that I'm supposed to do? Secondly, there is no decision that you and I will ever make that is not touched by his directing hand. God is sovereign. And even when you and I mess up, and we do often, He's there. And what's so beautiful about our Heavenly Father, He picks up the pieces and makes us better. He picks up the pieces and makes us whole again if we're willing to let Him. And then, of course, we want to know what God wants us to do. God wants us to know Him. Sometimes we turn God's will into an idol and we start worshiping God's will instead of worshiping God. Maybe today you flip the script and say, Lord, I'm just going to set maybe what your will is for my life aside. I just want to get to know you better. Because let me tell you this, when you start to know him better, you'll start hearing his word. And his word will give you his will. But maybe that's what some of us are missing today. Maybe that's why some of us are here today.